You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. Frank, how you doing, buddy? Milwaukee Bucks are 3-0, Eric, so I, I think by definition you, you got to feel pretty good, right? Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was not maybe the um, most dominating or prettiest uh, 124-113 win by the Bucks over the Knicks at the Pfizer Forum tonight. But what is it? The Bucks are 3-0 for the first time since 2005. And, um, you know, I think once again, we saw Giannis necessarily not up to his peak kind of Giannis abilities. Um, but he came up big in the fourth quarter. And we had really great performances from Chris Middleton and Eric Bledsoe in particular to really kind of complement uh, kind of what we're used to from Giannis or or maybe, you know, what we weren't totally used to from Giannis in terms of some of uh, his shot making not really being up to snuff again tonight. But um, overall, I think Bucks kind of once again doing a lot of the things that have been themes over these first, few, you know, first week or so in terms of their shot selection, in terms of opponent shot selection. And again, maybe got a little bit closer than you'd like in the second half. Um, but, you know, again, maybe maybe that's for the best. Maybe the Bucks learning hopefully a little bit of a lesson as well as as they I don't know if I'd say they t- took their foot off the gas, but kind of f- felt like they took their foot off the gas a little bit and um, needed a, a bit of a gut check, but obviously uh, ultimately came away with a win against a pretty plucky Knicks team that uh, also gave the Celtics kind of all they could handle the other day. Yeah, Fizdale definitely has them playing hard. There's no doubt about that uh, with this Knicks team, but it's it's kind of funny just thinking about like Giannis and then Middleton and Bledsoe and, you know... Uh, I think last year it would have been a lot more common for us to see a a 13 for 29, 31 31 point performance from Middleton and a 11 for 14, 30 point performance from Giannis. And that's the exact opposite of what we got tonight where Middleton takes just 14 shots and he scores 30 on the night uh, and Giannis struggles a little bit. Uh, Obviously he had 15 rebounds, nine of them offensive and a lot of them on his own uh, just shots that he he wasn't able to finish down low. Uh, But he, he goes 13 for 29 and he scores 31 points. Points. And uh, it's just a uh, it's a weird and wild world that we live in at this point. Uh, just because this is a Bucks team that that really believes in in what what they've been told to do by Mike Boonholzer. And um, I guess we'll start where with what I thought was the most interesting thing was uh, an exchange I had with Giannis after the game. Uh, and obviously, I, I tweeted that out. I tweeted that out and. You know, a couple, I think you had retweeted as well, but it was just kind of interesting because I was trying to get at this with Mike Boonholzer as well post game. And um, 
I guess just with as many of those guys as possible, because to me, this is where things become really interesting with Mike Budenholzer and his system is, you know, in that third quarter, I thought the Knicks went eight for eight from mid range. I think they went eight for nine uh, from mid range. You lied to Giannis. You lied to Giannis, (laughs) Eric. That's on me. That's on me. Um, And the Bucks go one for 13 from three. And, you know, everything's going wrong. 19-point lead just disappears, totally evaporates. And I I was trying to figure out a way to kind of capture this, but this is kind of the exchange we had where I told Giannis, you know, in the third quarter, they hit all their mid-range shots. They go eight for eight. You take 13 threes, and you make just one of those 13 exactly what you want, but it's kind of going against you. How do you continue to feel like you're doing the right thing? And it wasn't combative. It was more playful than combative from Giannis. But he said, we were doing the right thing. And then he looked at me and he asked, we were one for 13. I said, yeah. From three? Yeah. And then he says, you see what I'm saying? We got 13 shots, but just one went in. There are going to be days like that. There are going to be days where 10 are going to go in. Seven are going to go in. And I feel like the other teams cannot win the game by shooting twos. We force them to shoot twos and twos and twos and twos and twos. We're living. We're living with that. That's our game plan, and we know we're going to come down on the other end. It's going to be a layup or a dunk or it's going to be a three, you know? And at that point, I said, but what if they make eight in a row? Do you start to question? And as I said that, he cut me off and said, did they win? They did not win. They can make they can make 10 in a row. We're going to play harder, and hopefully next time we can make shots and try to keep the lead. But at the end of the day, statistically, you cannot win the game with two points. I said, math problem? And he said, yeah. And uh, I, I, Giannis I, learned math over the summer. <laughs> yes. But really, like this is... This is modern basketball, right? Like this is, I think at least to me, this is the story of the night because at least internally, I think we all kind of wondered like, okay, uh, is Giannis going to be ready and willing to shoot threes? He hit one tonight for his first three of the regular season. Um, I think he only took what, three, two on the night? Uh, One of them was that like, kind of oh that garbage turn around chuck at the end of the first quarter yeah, yeah. and that fourth quarter and that was a big three that was a great three to, to see go down yeah huge three it was tied at 110 and bloods i think Bledsoe kicks to the corner uh he takes a dribble or maybe it was brogdon i can't bloods or brogdon but someone kicked to the corner takes a dribble hits a three uh and hits that but you know like i, I think at least internally, and I know we probably voiced some of this, but like, you know, the assumption was Mike Boonholzer is going to come into town and they're going to start taking more efficient looks and they're going to start being more focused on how to become an efficient basketball team. And I think at least in the back of all of our minds, it was like, well, you know, like how is Giannis going to take to this? He hasn't been asked to shoot threes before. He's been barred for shooting threes for two seasons. Like, can he just kind of flip that switch? And then, you know, in our heads, it was like, well, you know, we've seen Chris Middleton for all these years. And it feels like at times, like he actively turns down threes to, to get other looks. And like, you know, is that, was that coaching? Was that Middleton? Is is he going to be able to flip the switch and all of a sudden become a you know nine three per game kind of guy? Like, can he do that? And you know, you think about Eric Bledsoe, like, yeah, you know, he does like to shoot threes sometimes, but he does really like to get to the basket and pound it. And you know, he always likes that mid range shot. Like, is he going to accept it? And like, 
no matter how confident we all could have been from the outside thinking, oh yeah, you know, Mike Budenholzer will be able to come in and he'll take care of business and he'll let them all know this how, how it's going to happen. Like those three guys all have pretty strong personalities, uh, whether or not Bledsoe or Middleton are, are the loudest of those guys. And I guess Giannis to some extent, like, but they are, you know, kind of driven guys that, you know, believe in, in what they're good at. And Chris Middleton, one of the, the best mid range shooters in all of basketball, like would these guys end up buying in and we're three games in and Giannis is explaining math to me after the game. Like that, that's how well it is gone. And you know, it, it's just kind of, I don't want to say surprising, but uh, to some extent that uh, this team could be kind of just kind of become indoctrinated <laughs> into exactly that line of thinking this quickly. And as you see the test unfold, the, the exact test as the Knicks are hitting all these mid rangers, the Bucks keep giving them up, but they're they're hitting mid rangers. The Bucks are missing all these threes. Like that's the test. Like can you stick with the things that you believe in in that moment? And they did. And after the game, Giannis tells me that I feel like the other teams cannot win the game by shooting twos. Chef's kiss. <laughs> it's I I don't even know like it's just they they fully believe in it and I know I've written a bunch of words about it over at the Athletic Wisconsin Matt Velasquez has written about it at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel we've talked about through all these games but it's it's here in Milwaukee Uh, every team that comes in is going to face a math problem when they face the Milwaukee Bucks yeah it's um you know right now you look at the kind of aggregate numbers for the Bucks right now I think they're um uh, they're first in the league in three-pointers made per game at 16. Uh, they're third in three-pointers attempted per game at 40. Um, so, you know, they're hitting uh, obviously 40%. I mean, obviously that's a good number. I don't know if they can shoot 40% over a full season. But, um, you know, it's not like they're hitting like a completely unsustainable number. Um, and I think they're generally taking good shots. And I think what was so important, and our, our friend of the pod, Ben Thompson, pointed this out. But, you know, one of the kind of important things tonight you know, you want to, you don't want to just like be content to kind of let a game like this be as competitive as it was, especially given how uncompetitive it was early on. Um, but when you look at sort of like what they did, right, like in that fourth quarter, after missing all those threes in the third, they went back and, and hit a bunch more threes. And, yep. you know, with the exception of Giannis, who forced up a, a, also a number of, a number of like mid-rangers that he missed, in that fourth quarter, I mean, it was kind of a weird quarter for Giannis because he kind of was like a mixture of like force of nature down low, unstoppable. But then also, you know, he kept getting those post-ups on, I think, mostly Hazonia. And, you know, at times he was just like getting right where he wanted. Um, other times he was settling for kind of these little mid-range shots that, again, are like shots he's really avoided so far this season. And he missed uh, a number of those in the fourth quarter. But then, you know, that big, big shot that he hit ends up being his first three-pointer, which I feel like it was kind of fitting because, you know, the Bucks went back to to that three-point shot in the fourth quarter and, you know, Bledsoe with another huge corner three from that same spot where Giannis hit his. Um, Chris Middleton, I mean, was tremendous tonight. Um, 30 points on 14 shots, right? Um, what, seven threes. Um, so his hot streak continues from three-point range. And again, I think that's one of those things where, given how early it is, I mean, I'm not saying that the Bucks would give up on shooting three pointers if they lose a game, right? Like, I'm, I'm not saying that. Like, I think 
they're bought in. We've seen them play so well during through the preseason with this style. Um, but I think especially early in the season, right? Like it does help that even in a game where you get to the big lead and then you feel like, you know, you live by the sword and then you maybe you die by the sword a little bit um, when you're not seeing those shots go down that you just go right back to it. Right. And you don't yep. let some missed shots be like, Oh, we should probably take some mid range jumpers now. Cause they're shorter, you know, whatever, <laughs> you know? Um, but no, they played their game and they went back to the well and the well served them well for lack of a better term um and so it was it was just encouraging to see and you know when i was it's interesting i mean you look back at the at the bucks their first 12 quarters of the season eight of those 12 they've scored 30 plus points per game um the first one tonight where they've scored fewer than 20 points came in that third quarter they were outscored 35 to 17 um but then they bounced back to score 36 um in the fourth quarter um which you know is 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 big, right? That's that's a big number to put up. Um, and that's the, their biggest uh, s- second half number in any quarter so far this season. Because most of their first halves have been where they've scored all their points. You know, they scored 71 tonight um, against the Pacers. They scored 62, and against the uh, Hornets, they scored 67. Uh, I think our friend Dean Maniat had tweeted out. I think they're like a 125 offensive rating in first halves and like 103 in second halves. So <laughs> clearly, like they've kind of like run out of gas a little bit you know some of it's been tactical with you know like the hornets for instance doing running a lot more switching and they kind of put them out of their normal kind of setup but um but yeah i mean again like sticking kind of to what what is getting you there and you know you look at the numbers for tonight the kind of total numbers um bucks 122 offensive rating 111 defensive rating um really interesting on the defensive rating front obviously the defensive rating wasn't great um, but you look at kind of like the, the individual piece parts and the Knicks had a 53 and a half percent true shooting number, which is below average. Like that's, I think you generally live with that kind of number. Um, you know, they, they hit 10 out of 29 from three. So again, not a, not a huge number. Um, they obviously, you know, the mid range points, uh, bucks actually scored four mid range points tonight, but they were outscored 20 to four. Obviously, again, you, you live with a lot of that. The bucks were once again, kind of goading the the Knicks into shooting a lot of mid-range shots and the Bucks are plus two in the paint um so the Knicks like I, I mean a lot of things and you know a lot of things like they, they didn't do a lot of things really well even their offensive rebound rate I and mean, we've seen Ennis Cantor in particular really haunt the Bucks with offensive rebounds you know he had 13 rebounds tonight but only three of those were offensive and the Bucks were at 75 percent defensive rebound rate overall which is actually a little bit better than their season average so um you know didn't really allow a lot of second chances didn't give up a big number um, in terms of like scoring efficiency, only 15 free throws um, for the Knicks overall, but they only, uh, the Knicks only had 12 total turnovers as well. So the Knicks protected the ball very well, especially in, you know, relatively high paced game. So it was kind of like, you know, that's obviously turnovers is kind of one of the things you, you'd look at last in terms of like, Oh, what, what are you not doing well defensively? Um, but overall, I, I didn't think the bucks were bad defensively. Um, but I did think it was interesting and I don't know if you want to talk about any of the other stuff right now, but, um, but while we're on the topic of the Bucks defense, I, I dare say that was the most aggressive we've seen the Bucks defense Ooh. in the fourth quarter with, I think even Brooke Lopez. Brooke like, was out there, man. Yeah, he was, um, they, they threw some pretty much straight out and out traps against the Knicks, um, a few times in, in pick and roll, which, you know, is again, like, I think, you know, 
it's all about timing and choosing your battles. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say that like you should, you know, a team should never, ever, ever trap under any circumstance. I think there's like times where you throw a team a look they're not ready for. Um, but we saw it a, a number of times in that fourth quarter. And obviously you could say, well, you know, the Knicks didn't, you know, folded uh, in the end. So you could claim it worked. I don't know if I'd say the defense necessarily worked, um, but it was interesting to see them try to throw some different looks. Yeah, man, I saw Lopez all the way out on like the left sideline up above the three-point line, and, and it was like, that's a long way from the basket, big fella. Um, and I mean, the the one play that I'm thinking of, he did just that. Then he sprinted back to the middle of the floor, and since the Bucks hadn't really ran anything like that before, like he was just sitting in the middle of the lane because he was like, I have no idea where my guy is. I don't know who I'm supposed to have right now. We have not communicated this well. I'm just standing here. I'm just standing here. Oh my gosh, it's Mario Hazonia. He's in the left corner. Oh no, he's by me, and he just got a layup. Um, and it, like you could tell, like they just really have not done a lot of that. And yeah, I mean, uh, I know Mike Boonholzer has talked this week and last week and a little bit after the game that you know there's going to be times where they switch it up. There's going to be there's going to be times where they do different things. And uh, I mean, I think there is some value to that overall. Um, I think as we think through it, like yeah, you know, if you switch it up on teams, like that that seems like a good idea. Like you want to give them different looks and, you know, maybe mess with their heads a little bit. But after the first trap, uh, I was shocked to see them kind of have Lopez out that far again and again and again, because in my mind, I was like, who's hurting you that bad? Trey Burke on the night, uh, nine for 18 for 19 points. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. 10 of 23 for 24 points. Hazonia eight for sixteen for eighteen points. Um, yeah, like, uh, and don't get me wrong; like there was times where they were hitting shots. Uh, obviously, I already mentioned the third quarter where they were eight of nine from mid range, and uh, you know, hitting some of those tough in between looks. But it, in my mind, it was just like I, I think you can probably manage to stay with what what kind of got you there. Um, even though what got you there in the third quarter was a 35 point quarter by the Knicks, but um, it was, it was really interesting to see. Um, and I think it was also a, a good reminder of why you don't have Brooke Lopez trap <laughs> because uh, I just didn't think he looked all that comfortable. Uh, and like you said, like in the end you give up a, a 26 point quarter and you outscore the Knicks by 10, but uh, I, I didn't really get the sense that, you know, those traps were, really messing with the Knicks all that much. Uh, to me, it was just some of like the other bigger plays, like Eric Bledsoe gets uh, one of those rear, rear view blocks. Um, I wrote about that at the Athletic Wisconsin today about you know the idea that the Bucks actually practice those blocks from from behind, where you know you kind of sweep over the top of the ball. Um, and Eric Bledsoe in particular has gotten pretty good at those. Um, but he gets a block, and then the Knicks somehow get the offensive rebound, and then it's Trey Burke and Brogdon comes in with a big block, and um, it did feel like they played pretty much the way that they had been no traps or anything, but in the final two minutes, it felt like they kind of tightened the screws a little bit on the Knicks and uh, were really able to buckle down and get some stops. But that could just as easily be the fact that the Knicks don't have a ton of great creators. 
Um, that they're just not a team that should really be able to do that. So there's an individual talent gap, but in the end, the Bucks win by 11 and, and manage to kind of take care of business there. Um, anything else you want to say about the defense? Otherwise I was going to move to Chris Middleton for a second. Um, one other thought, uh, I, I was thinking about this the other night. I don't know if I have anything really definitive for this specific game, but one thing I do want to keep an eye on, I mean, we, We've mentioned a little bit like some of the new um, point of emphasis around um, freedom of movement. I think you mentioned you were actually set in on official discussion about this before one of the games. Um, this is one of these interesting things. I, intuitively, I feel like that being called more closely is going to be an advantage for teams that switch a lot because those are teams that are not having to chase over screens and use as many kind of little hmm, yeah. dirty tricks to, to avoid um you know getting lost and things like that and obviously with the bucks not really switching anything like not even like wings or anything like that like i mean really like switches are just really kind of like accidents of like not getting back in transition well and stuff like that it's really not um an architected type even for kind of like for like defenders um I do kind of wonder, I mean, philosophically, I, I remember Zach Lowe talking about this a couple of years ago, even that, you know, Budenholzer is one of these guys who just believes like forcing your defenders to actually defend their men kind of just inter- in, involves like a, like a level of responsibility and accountability that kind of just has like, like broader effects that, that they like. Um, so I think that's like part of the rationale for why they do it. Um, aside from obviously thinking it tactically has some advantages, um, but also just like inspiring, like, you know, forcing guys to, to do things other than just like switch, which I think is still, I don't know. I think, I think historically, like a lot of old school coaches in particular, like viewed switching as like kind of like an easy thing to do. Like it was, yes. you know, it was like kind of, yes. a, it was like a, kind of like a lazy thing to do. Um, and I know we've talked, especially last year, a lot about how, you know, you can't just snap your fingers and become a switching defense. Like it does also require a lot of like precision and you know communication. So it's really hard. Yeah. To do it well, which it, that's the thing that makes me most nervous is like if the bucks eventually come to playing teams where switching is required and I, in the East, it's maybe not as big of a deal with Philly being really not a team that you'd switch much against. Um, I think Boston and Toronto can certainly put out lineups that would you'd want to switch against. So we'll see yep. if that becomes an issue down the down the stretch. I mean, the West is probably more loaded with teams that you'd want to switch against with like the Warriors and Rockets. But um, but you know, again, like man, maybe not as big of a regular season issue. But you know, again, if you're trying to win a championship, I I do worry that like fundamentally, if you don't switch, it's it's going to hurt you. And especially now, I mean, if if again, if they're calling stuff tighter and you're forcing your guys to be running over screens and around screens and fighting through stuff, um, you know, again, we know that fouling less is a big point of emphasis for for Bud in general. Um, tonight they did foul less, 18 fouls versus the Knicks, 21. Um, but I do worry about that a little bit. So anyway, that's that. Just wanted to kind of point that out, and you know, we'll. I don't know how easily we can measure that and really kind of track it, but um, just something to be aware of because I think intuitively it does make you wonder a little bit. I'm one thing. I, it, it is really interesting to just kind of think about how this team plays overall. Um, I mentioned it in pregame a little bit tonight with uh, Mike Boonholzer, but it, it was just you know like the entire league is going small. Like we, we watched uh, the Knicks put Mario Hazonia on. 
on Giannis for pretty much the entire, I shouldn't say the entire second half, but a good portion of the second half. We saw uh, the Hornets go with an insanely small lineup with like, with both Parker and Walker on the floor uh, with MKG on Giannis. Like we've seen them go small and the Bucks have done pretty much the exact opposite. Again and again, we've seen jumbo lineups, um, whether that's, Giannis with Ursan and Brooke Lopez, whether that's Giannis with Ursan and Henson, like we just keep seeing big lineups. And I'm very curious at this point, they're a pretty regular part of Mike Boonholzer's rotations. Uh, what happens in the playoffs? Like, can you actually play those uh, together? And, uh, you know, switching kind of goes hand in hand with that as well. Like if, if that is the personnel you're going to play, like, can you actually do it? So I don't know. Like, I think there's a lot of interest and stuff there. So I like that. That's a good note. We can, we can bookmark that and go on. Yeah. And I I was going to say, I know Dean tweeted about um, like the, the, like the one, lineup that's played the most and it's like you know 10 minutes still so it's still a small sample um but i think the one lineup that has been the worst among the most common ones was been the kind of jumbo lineup with brogdon divincenzo and then Giannis, urson and henson um mm-hmm. and intuitively that makes sense and they've been bad offensively i mean i think they're like you know, minus seven in 10 minutes so again it's like you know one good spell on the court and that could completely turn around but intuitively it kind of makes sense because like you think about it like I, I mean i think we both obviously in general prefer Giannis at the four rather than at the uh, three um but again like if it's lopez and Ilyasova, like i think you you know your fundamental like kind of talent and skill level and shooting is still pretty high with those guys henson yes i realize he's trying to shoot threes this year um t- did not hit any tonight um but you know fundamentally like yeah you trust Brooke Lopez to make skilled offensive plays and decisions and shoot certainly much more than John Henson. And then, you know, when you have a backcourt of Brock and DiVincenzo rather than like Bledsoe and whoever, um, I think like, I also am just of lower confidence that that lineup is going to hum. Right. Cause we've mm-hmm. talked about Brogdon and his decision-making or, or kind of lack of quick decision-making. Sticky and then ball. You throw, yeah. You throw Henson. Yeah. Who, wait, wait, who, who, who gave, who threw out pony express? For uh, for I think it was Brogdon. Steve, wasn't it? Was it was it Steve Von Horn? Okay, shout out to Steve. Um, yes, instead of the Tough Shot Express, which we're seeing less and less of from Chris Middleton, uh, the Pony Express. <laughs> which, <laughs> let's not even go into the full explanation of it, but uh, that that is that is Steve's new um, less than flattering nickname for Malcolm Brogdon when he's just dribbling the ball around and not making decisions. So. Um, so anyway, yeah, it's, it, the lineups have been interesting. I, I'm very, very curious to see how successful the Bucks can be with those jumbo lineups. I mean, we've obviously not seen that much of like smaller lineups, although we have seen a, a fair bit of the Giannis Ursan lineups. So it's just going to be so interesting to see, right? Because obviously we're still trying to figure this out, like what Budenholzer wants to do. And I'm, I'm thinking he's probably also still kind of trying to figure that out as well. Yeah, it, it, and I, I guess the other thing you know I've been thinking about is like, it, does that mean just you know those two those two bigs with Giannis lineups just disappear? Like, because I mean, if you if you take Henson out of that lineup, then you know maybe Henson's minutes dip to 
10 to 15 per game instead of 15 to 20 per game. Um, and then I guess that would in, mean you incorporate either another player into the lineup or not. I mean, I think it pretty much has to be another player or like Tony Snell with that group. Um, or, or maybe that means Sterling Brown gets added to the rotation. Like eliminating that lineup would, you know, require some other, uh, some other form of gymnastics, and I, I guess we'll kind of have to see uh, what all of that can mean. Um, okay, let's go to uh, let's go to Chris Middleton. Um, I, I got to say, it just it, I'm trying to think of a game where out, I mean, outside of the Celtics series last year, where uh, this team just leaned on him as heavily. Uh, and I'm probably forgetting some games where they tried to go tough shot express with him uh, down the stretch as they just gave him the ball over on the left wing and asked him to post up and he was shooting fadeaways. But, you know, like this is uh, when, when we talk about, you know, Chris Middleton possibly being able to be um, an all-star this year, like to me, these are the kind of games that we're talking about. Okay. uh, Spread the, Spread the floor out. Giannis isn't quite going so smooth. Things aren't going perfectly for him. Give him the ball and see what he can do. And somehow a, a Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton pick and roll was near unstoppable. Um, sure. I guess so. Um, and they just kind of put it in the middle of the floor and let Middleton and Lopez go to work. And, you know, there, there was a, uh, sometimes where he's getting to the basket and then a little wraparound to Brooke Lopez. Then uh, he was getting the switch. And uh, I mean, I, to me, the biggest kind of change was before, if you saw Middleton get a switch on uh, with a big guy, you're probably going to see a elbow jumper maybe, um, or maybe like a forced floater. Like here, he both times he got it obviously in the, in the fourth quarter. He also got it earlier in the game. Like he just, he did the I mean I don't even know what player I want to compare that like that's like a Kyrie Irving that's like the James Harden that's he got canter on him and literally pulled the ball out to half court gave himself a running head start and just pulled up a a three in his face and it was uh, I've never seen Chris Middleton do that like that isn't a shot that I knew he had in his repertoire um talking with him about a little bit after the game he said yeah that's a new shot for me like that uh, obviously I've shot pull-ups before but we we kind of changed the way that I'm attacking those kind of ISOs and you know we've played uh kind of mini games in in practice and stuff where I get a chance to work on those but yeah that's a that's a new shot and I mean it, if you're thinking about how does Chris Middleton take another step the the answer's always been he shoots more threes than he does twos and yeah, he shoots eight threes and I hit seven of them. Um, and I, I don't think anyone's going to expect. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to expect that to continue. But Chris Middleton's a damn good shooter, and he's been a damn good shooter for a long time. Uh, so if now it is that you're going to get some of the volume along with the efficiency, like last year's the only year in the last what four or five years that he wasn't a 40 plus percent three point shooter. Like even if you don't get 40 plus plus percent efficiency um, from deep, like if you get 37% with increased volume, that's a huge win. Um, So I don't know. I just think it's really interesting. And when you think about, you know, kind of the next step for Chris Middleton, isn't this exactly what it looks like? Yeah. He's up to 24 points per game right now, 6.7 boards, 3.3 assists. Um, 
over half of his shots right now are three-pointers. He's averaging 7.7 attempts and five makes per game from three. Um, I don't (laughs) foresee his 65% shooting uh, carrying over, but um, hashtag playoff Middleton uh, giving us a a little bit of uh, hashtag October Middleton as well, which I mean, I think a lot of people can recall. I mean, Chris has had some slow starts to season. So to see him not only adapting to a new offense quickly, but I mean, just being on fire is, uh, is great. Right. And, and again, you know, I think we're going to see <laughs> some mean regression, obviously from Chris in terms of some of his shooting splits, we're going to see Giannis mean progress, uh, in a, in a positive way, obviously. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I think overall, uh, you know, let's just say this, I mean, right now I think what we're seeing for the Bucks offense overall, um, they're at 114 points per 100, which is terrific. Uh, right now, I think they're only like ninth. I want to say in overall like team offense ranking. Um, I was checking earlier tonight, and again, this like changes every time a game goes final, just because things are so in flux now because we're so early in the season and numbers are jumping around so much. But last I checked earlier tonight after the Bucks game, they were I believe ninth in offense and sixth in defensive rating, which might surprise you because you know like it doesn't feel like the defense has like, you know, had these like lockdown mm-hmm. performances. Um, and in part, because like you see a lot of the raw scoring numbers are, have been really high. Um, but uh, you know, it's just been jumping around and actually now see now it's just like, now I checked um, NBA.com and now they're up to fourth in offensive rating and ninth in defensive rating. So I mean, these things are just kind of fluctuating. Um, <laughs> but Hey, if if the Bucks are top ten in both offense and defense, I don't necessarily care that much about which which one is better than the other. Um, because I mean, we talked about this last year too. This is a team that has the potential to be a top ten team in both of those categories. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be you know top three or the best in either of those categories, but they definitely have the personnel to be good at both. And you know, so far early in the season, I think it's obviously been encouraging that. Um, the results have been there. And I think defensively in particular, like if you're just a team that can, and this kind of gets to the math thing, right? Like some nights teams are going to have some success against you and they're going to, you know, do something, some things well or whatever. But again, like you just kind of game after game after game over 82 games. If you do, if you are able to limit those threes, you're able to limit corner threes. Um, you're able to force teams into shots that are just lower expected value shots which again is going to be those mid-range shots or even those like shorter floater shots, right? Like, you know, a 10 foot floater um, in the vicinity of a big man is, is not an easy shot. Um, You know, again, like it's going to be frustrating at times because you're going to say, man, they're getting some wide open shots, but just trust the math. You know, Giannis is trusting the math. Why can't we all (laughs) trust the math? Um, So I think that that's going to be really interesting to watch. And again, like we've seen just, teams early in the season just some like crazy point totals being thrown up um and i think again like you know being consistent i mean again it's just night after night not getting destroyed is <laughs> there's something through that and if you again if yep. you limit teams opponent you know limit opponent three-point shooting you know force teams to do what kemba walker did right like if if the way that a team can hit a bunch of threes is by hitting a bunch of pull-up threes off the dribble um that's better than, you know, being able to just be susceptible to ball movement and giving up lots of open corner threes. Um, so, you know, again, just sort of playing the percentages and, and hopefully there's just a trend that, that continues to the box. And obviously they're going to have 
Philly on Wednesday. So, you know, a much stiffer test than, um, you know, really any of the other teams they've seen to date. Um, but I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, did the Bucks overlook the, the Knicks a little bit? I don't know about that. I mean, they blew the doors off them in the first half. I think it's more just a case of what I think you've heard in the locker room that, you know, maybe they just sort of get a little bit comfortable um, and, you know, shots stop falling a little bit and, and they let teams go back into it. So um, hopefully that will be, they will be laser focused for 48 minutes against the Sixers on Wednesday national TV game. Um, I think it's going to be a fun matchup just because the Sixers are kind of a weird team and they like to play certainly big with their center. I don't think you're going to see Brooke Lopez played off the court um, in the fourth quarter of this one. Uh, and obviously, you know, Simmons, Giannis, like you've got just some really freaky players uh, that are going to be playing in this game. So looking forward to it and looking forward to it that we can go into this one, like not having to say, oh, and it's too bad the Bucks really want to win, beat the Sixers because they overlooked the Knicks. So um, chance to go to 4-0 and against a really good team. I mean, that would be a, just a tremendous way to start the season um, if, if they could pull that off. But again, one game at a time. All right. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about this game and that game tomorrow. Um, there's some other things I kind of want to talk about. Blood Cell, 13 assists. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, I think pretty significant. We can talk right. about that tomorrow. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Giannis's whistle um, and try my hardest not to come off as someone who thinks Giannis just deserves every call, but I, I'm... I don't know. It's it's a weird spot because teams just keep putting little guys on them. And I shouldn't say little. That's not accurate for what Michael Kidd, Gilchrist, and Mario Zoni are. But they're little in comparison to Giannis. And I, I kind of want to talk about his whistle a little bit tomorrow and try my best not to come off of as someone who ends up watching every Bucks game and doesn't watch the rest of the league or, you know what I mean? Like I always feel uncomfortable thinking about that and talking about that. Cause you know, you don't want to be a Homer, but I mean, six free throws for Giannis with as many shots as he took. Um, and with as many physical shots, like shots from, you know, people's arms that he took, um, yeah, we can talk about all of that. Uh, so we'll do all of that and much more. We'll do all of that tomorrow on Locked on Bucks. For Frank Men, I'm Eric Name. This has been Locked on Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.